talking about Chinuch. It's not a topic I want to talk about. Maybe for older children. We are called following in father's footsteps. Because every father who is successful, who feels he's achieved in life, deep down really wants his son to continue what he's begun. If he began a yeshiva, he began a chesed project, he began a dynasty. So like the Pazlok says, Your sons will replace your fathers. He wants his son to carry that on. And yet, sometimes, for the son, that's the biggest challenge. To fill the place of somebody who was successful, who was well-liked, was good at what he did, is very difficult. On the contrary, sometimes it's easier to do things on one's own and not be held to a standard and an expectation of one's father. Where does this feeling come from? What's the right way to look at it? So let's look at Pashas Tvarim. And we see, even though we call Pashas Tvarim and the Pashas following it as Moshe Rabbeinu's Musa, but in Pashat Tvarim we see an interesting thing. Firstly, Moshe begins by talking about the appointment of the judges. And how he appointed the judges, what qualities he looked for, and his advice to them to begin their career as judging Klal Yisrael. Why is that an important point for us to know about? Why was that so central to what Moshe was talking about, that we have to know that he appointed judges? happened, it's true, but why would that be something which is worthy of special mention again? And then when we look at the Pasha, we see that the Musa Moshe so to speak addresses is the Miraglim. The rest of the Pasha is describing Klai Yisrael's journeys past the lands of Moab and Edom and Amoin and Sichan and Oig and encouragement to go into Eretz Yisrael. What's the theme? What's the message? What's the Musa? So to answer that, you have to put yourself into the historical context. You must remember, the Jews were now standing in Evra Yarden, on the banks of the Jordan River. They looked across the river and they saw Eretz Yisrael. This wasn't the first time that the Jews were on the border of Eretz Yisrael. It happened before. 40 years earlier. The Jews were also camping them in Kadesh, which is on the border of Eretz Yisrael. Really, the next step would be to enter. And we know the Jews were so terrified from the Miraglim's report. They're giants. They're these tremendously powerful armies. There's no way we're going to conquer them. Uh, the Jews lost their resolve and turned tail and fled. And for 40 years, they've been wandering the desert. 40 years, 
When those children who now they adults ask their fathers, why are we wandering in the desert? Where are we going to? And the answer was, this was our punishment. Because when we were meant to go into Eretz Yisrael, we heard the report of the spies, that there these tremendous giants, these tremendously strong people, and we were afraid. So Hashem punished us by putting, keeping us in the midpoint. And now these are the children who are now the adults. And now they are the ones who are standing on the border of Eretz Yisrael. It might be 40 years later. But those giants are still there. Those Knanim are still there. And if it was a threat and there was something to be scared of before, do you think the Jewish people weren't scared now? I'm sure they were. For 40 years they've been hearing about that. We were scared of the nations of Canaan. And now these are the nations we're about to confront. These same fearsome, fearless warriors. How do you think the Jewish people must have been feeling? Yes, of course, they didn't want to repeat the mistake of the Miraglim. But nevertheless, we've heard a lot about these enemies we're going to confront. And not only that, there's a difference between they're going in terrorist Israel now and how it was meant to have been 40 years before. And that is, this time, they're going in without Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe is staying behind in the desert. And we know how much Kai Yisrael feel uh, emboldened without Moshe. When they thought, Kizeh Moshe Ha'ish, when Moshe is not there, they're going to create a Chaigel. What's going to replace Moshe? And Moshe, the leader who's led them for 40 years and brought them to the banks of the Yarden, he's not going to be the one to bring them into Israel. How much do you think of that did for them around? We're going to have to confront these giants all on our own. All on our own. And therefore Moshe's primary mission in Pashas Tvarim isn't Musa, it's Chizuk. To encourage the Jewish people, remind them of the Chet of Meragli when they were too scared to fight. No, don't be afraid. HaKadosh Baruch is going to help you. HaKadosh Baruch is going to fight for you. But how is he going to deal with that Moshe? Here's the aside. I want to share it with the story. Remember, it's about 11 years ago now. And the great mirror Shiva of Nathan Smith, the Khan Ibrahim, was lifted. He was only in his 60s, he was lifted very suddenly. I remember I was a Rosh Khabir in Mir at the time. And there was a tremendous sense of where we're we going to go from here. The Nasan Sfi was the leader, the visionary, the one who shouldered the burden of the yeshiva. was universally respected as the captain of the ship. And yes, like other areas of Yerusha, so the mantle of leadership was passed to his oldest son. Now, I'm not saying anything against him, he's a Tamil Chacham, 
We were friends. We used to send our daughters to Gan together. We used to live down the block in St. Hedria. It was also the Chosheb Rosh Chabur in the mirror. But the idea of filling the shoes of Rav and Svi, filling the place of Rosh Hashiva, just... How? So I remember discussing with one of the older Tamil Chacham in the mirror. So it's hard to believe how someone will be able to replace Rav Nassim Svi. And he told me, I understand you. I felt exactly the same way when Rukhaim Shmulevitz was there. Yes, to fill the position of somebody successful, somebody great, somebody looked up to, someone who's achieved a lot is very difficult. What's the way to do that? How is it possible to continue what someone else began? And we look up to the person and think he's so much greater, so much wiser, so much more experienced. How in the world am I going to continue in the same role? That's why Moshe begins the parish with the story of the judges. Yes, he appointed judges of all different levels. But until then, Moshe had been the judge. And the whole nation, like the Prophet says, waited for Moshe. And Moshe's judgment was exactly what Hashem would have wanted it to be. But Moshe says it himself. I'll tell them what Hashem says. And now you're appointing lesser people to judge. How are they going to be able to judge effectively? How are they going to, so to speak, act as a locum for Moshe? They could have felt the same way. And that's why Moshe tells at the beginning of the parish, I spoke to those judges, and I told them the rules the judges have to know. Shumaya ben Achechim, Ushvatatim Tzedek, resistant to both sides, he was judged fairly. Why? Ki amishpat lelekimhu. If you're following the halakhat of what a judge needs to do, you should know, justice is up to Hashem, he's the melech amishpat. If you're following Hashem, you don't have to be worried. So what you're going to do is wrong. And Moshe begins the parasha by telling us that story because he's using that as the analogy. Leadership is also la Hashem. If God Hashem, Inshallah, Hashem decides who the leader is going to be. And the same Hashem who made Moshe into a leader and gave him the Siyat to become Moshe, if Moshe is not there and a new leader needs to replace him, so Hashem will make that person into the leader too. If a person is just looking at the individual, then it's true. How do you replace somebody so great? But if you're looking beyond that, it's HaKadosh Baruch who sent the first leader, then he can be allowed him to send the replacement as well. Shmuel Anavi says the same thing at the end of his career. He says, Hashem Hashem also is Moshe ves Aaron. And it's also Shmuel. The same Hashem who made Moshe and he made Aaron and he made Shmuel. He made them into leaders. He gave them the success. He brought them to the level that they grow to. He's the same Hashem who will find the replacement as well. And that's why Moshe turns to Yeshua. And he says, be strong. Because HaKadosh Baruch is going to be the one to bring the Jewish people into Israel. Yeshua isn't a Moshe. But like Hashem tells you, Moshe, 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 Moshe,
Like I was with Moshe, I will be with you. That's all the leader needs to hear. That's the principle of this. That's the insight. Surprise the chinuch also. Yes, it's very daunting to try and replace somebody great. To try and continue what someone else began successfully. But the aside is, the first person to achieve only did it with the other dishman. And if someone who's going to continue in the same direction, then you can rely on the Siyata Dishmaya too. Hashem will help him fall the role and continue. Last and sweetest Khan Rah himself used to say. With the responsibility comes the Koyach. Comes the Siyata Dishmaya to succeed. That's an important point. It's an important lesson to teach. And Yes, sometimes for a person it's a little bit difficult. Because if I want to prime somebody, I want to prime my students, I want to prime my Talmud to replace me one day, to continue my work one day, the more I'm going to make it seem to him that this is my doing and my success and my understanding, my achievement, the more difficult it will be for somebody else to feel that they're capable of continuing that. Whereas the more that it makes, one makes it feel that yes, I'm doing a job which Hashem gave me the Shmaya to do. So then, it's easy to accept that Hashem can give it the Shmaya to my successor as well. And that's what a person, that's the way that a person has to relate to their successes, their achievements, their projects. Yes, I've put an effort to make something happen. But the message of the success comes after Hashem. Let's look at David Amelech. One of the goals of his life was to build the base of English. He wasn't allowed to be the one to actually do the construction, but securing the property and laying the foundations and digging the shit in and amassing all the materials and the wealth he did. And when David Amalek is about to die, he gives over the great project to his son Shlomo. But his lashon is, Vani Ba'onyi, I, in my onyi, in my poverty, have prepared everything for the Baisamekdash. And the first I'm ready to ask for what are you talking about onyis, or poverty? He goes on to describe the tremendous amounts of gold and silver and wealth that he had prepared, that he had put aside, that he had amassed for the Basin Mikdash. Where's the, where's the poverty? Basin, the prince we spoke about today, I want to suggest that's what he meant. If David would come across and say, look how successful I was as a fundraiser. Look how much I managed to do. So you're going to discourage anybody from trying to do the same. And that's how David comes the opposite route. And he says, I did so much, but only. Not because I was so skilled, not because I was so talented. I did so much even though I was poor, even though I was missing. Why? Because Khalish Baruch wanted the best of the sport. 
And if he helped me, Ba'anyi, to amass all the materials, to raise all the money, so I'm sure Hashem is going to help you too to fulfill the building, to complete the dream. That's why he motivates somebody else to continue the job. Whereas if a person takes the attitude of, look at my success, so then yes, the more it's looked at as your success, the more difficult it is for someone else to continue that success. The more one looks at it as, this is something a Kodesh Baruch Hu wants to make happen. Look at the Siyatat Dishmaya I got. And if you're going to be the person to continue, there's no reason you're not going to get the same Siyatat Dishmaya. And that's a factor which encourages. That's the MS. And that's also the mindset which encourages the child to follow in the father's footsteps.